you've tuned in to the official Once Upon a Time podcast. I'm Estelle Magecki, your host, and I'm joined by the creators and executive producers of Once, Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kitsis. Hi, guys. Hello. How are you? This week, since we had an overwhelming response to our fan question invitation, we're dedicating the entire podcast to answering your questions. Thank you so much for your posts. Eddie and Adam have carefully sifted through hundreds of your submissions. If you'd like to be a part of our next session, please add your question to our post on the Once Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash onceabc. Okay, let's get started with this one from Deguaya Sanabria. How do you come up with the interconnecting plot lines for each fairy tale and does it get difficult to keep track of? It is tricky and, you know, it, it all starts with character for us and it all starts with who are these characters and, you know, what what is the history that we're creating for them that is our new history. And as we set about the process of doing that in the when we were writing the pilot and in the period after that, we started to find there was a lot of interconnectivity and that became really fun and that became a huge part of the show for us. The complicated part of it for us is to make it simple, meaning that, you know, as crazy as the connections are when you look really close, it should hopefully feel inevitable that these characters have all come into contact with each other and have all had the effects they've had upon one another. Do you keep a chart that tracks everything? We have two charts. We have one in the room that's kind of a basic timeline of everything. And, you know, the thing that we're really trying to get is a Bible um, to keep it all... to keep track of, but there are often times where we'll place the story and then have to go back and look and say like, well, where where does this fall in between? Does this fall in between the apple and this or the pregnancy and the wedding or things like that? The next question is from Romel Ramirez. Who wrote the book and how did Mary Margaret get the book? Oh, well, well that is probably one of the largest secrets we yeah, have, so you so... will have to wait for it to be it is an excellent question, yes. and the fact that you're asking this question, Ramel, is is awesome because we really want you to be wondering that, and hopefully you'll enjoy our answer, but unfortunately you won't get it here. Sabrina Zakchek asks next question, does Emma end up with special powers like Rumpelstiltskin? Right now, Emma just realized that everything Henry has told her is real, so where we go from here, um, I think, is... You know, I think that's a great question and we're going to have to wait and see what happens to Emma. Jennifer Howell asks, what happened to Thomas in the Cinderella episode? Well, as um, as we, we've seen in uh, episode 12 after the Cinderella episode last year, Thomas proposed to uh, to Ashley, our Cinderella in Storybrooke, and last we saw they were... Uh, they were going to get married. But I think uh, if the question is what happened to Thomas when he was kidnapped in the actual episode of four last year, um, I think Rumpel said, basically, you'll get him back when I uh, get my child. So Rumpel clearly did something where Thomas was sent somewhere away from everybody and uh, was not allowed to reunite with Cinderella until, of course, the question of the baby got dealt with. And the reason that she was able to see him was because Emma offered up a favor to Mr. Gold, uh, and that is something he has not forgotten. But this is also, this is something we, I think we can explain about sort of our rules between going between fairy tale land and Storybrooke, which is that if there's a character that you see in Storybrooke who is alive and well and kicking, that means they survived their time in fairy tale land, meaning the curse only brought the living across. So when Thomas disappeared by the well in that episode, whatever happened to him, 
was something he survived and was hit by the curse and came to uh, Storybrooke and found himself in his cursed position until Emma reunited him with Ashley. Molly Lieb asks, if everyone in Storybrooke had their happiness taken away from them but Granny had read with her, then what was her stolen happiness? Well, I think the answer to that is their relationship was in horrible distress. Molly, the, the, the happiness between Red and Granny was that they, as we saw in Red Handed, they had a, a difficult relationship that came to a place of incredible understanding and honesty at the end of it. And then when we saw them in the pilot together at the War Council, they were side by side, united to help with Charming and Snow. When we first meet them in Storybrooke, Granny is yelling at Red and chastising her, and Red is trying to get away from Granny. And that is what the, the cursed position was, was to be put with someone you love, and rather than being in the loving relationship, want terribly to get out of that relationship when actually that relationship was incredibly strong and loving and fairy tale when we left it. Quinice Walker's question is what casting process do you go through to pick your characters for once? Uh, well, picking our characters um, is different than picking the actors. You know, as far as characters, a lot of times it's just, you know, what story do we want to tell? So, for instance, last year we were... Um, we wanted to tell how the Mad Hatter became mad. And he had never been on the show before, but um, we started to develop this idea that what made him mad was that he was kind of cognizant of everything that was going on. And then you start to say, well, who would be great for that? And so for that instance, we were big fans of Sebastian Stan from Captain America and from Gossip Girl. And we, you know, just took a shot and went to him. And um, we were very lucky and fortunate that he liked the material and said yes. Other times, we will do what's called sides, which is we will write basically a scene with the character in it, most often not in the script, and we will do a casting process, and then you will just meet t uh, a bunch of actors, and the one that you, you just kind of have a gut feeling with usually is the one that you hire. Kristen Stein asked, if Emma had grown up in fairy tale world, what would her fairy tale have been? Well, I think it would have been a different version of the fairy tale that it is now, which is she is the daughter of Snow White and Prince Charming. So in our, our mind, she's a new fairy tale character. And her adventures and, and what she has to overcome are kind of at the center of what this show is about. So if she had grown up in fairy tale land, I don't know. Definitely would have had an easier life. She would have had an easier life. And that's one of the things with fairy tale characters. It's like so many of them are defined by the adversity they face. And it, I don't think it was until Emma faced the adversity and of the curse and coming over here that she was allowed to be born into this character we're seeing hopefully grow and blossom on this show into a fairy tale character of her own, one who straddles two worlds. She started there and came to our world. The next question comes from Angela Wesp. The evil queen has a lot of hearts. How did she get them and why does she need them? Amazon.com. She got them by ripping them out of people's chests and why uh, depends on her mood, what they did to her, what she needed them to do for her. And uh, she needs them because that's how she controls people. And sometimes uh, I think Rumpelstiltskin said it best, magic is power. And there is no greater example of power than ripping someone's heart out. Tashay Baker asked, what made you decide to make Snow the centre character? Is it because Snow White was the first animated story? Well, I mean, I think that when we, when we sat down to, to write the pilot, and even when we first conceived the idea, it was, she's just as iconic as they come, 
And I think that that first Disney movie played a big part in it, of it too. Snow White was the first movie I ever saw as a kid, and it made a huge impression on me. And it's just when you, you think fairy tales, it, it almost always starts with snow. So then the challenge became, how do you tell a story centered around Snow White but have it spiral out to include everyone else? And for us, I think that, you know, the central premise of the show was the evil queen was going to rip everyone's happy ending, so to speak, away. And for us, there was none more iconic than Snow White. She was awoken by her Prince Charming from True Love's Kiss, and she wakes up. So for us, to be able to take away her happy ending was kind of um, to show everyone, you know, a, an example of what this curse really would do. The next question comes from Christina Musio. What character's story did you most like recreating? Well, that's hard to say because it's kind of like being asked what's your favorite child. You know, the thing that I think we love most about the show is every week became our favorite episode. So, oh, we love doing, you know, uh, Dreamy Becomes Grumpy. And then, oh, well, we really liked writing Red Riding Hood. And then, oh, we liked writing Snow White Going Dark. So I think for us what's most fun is mashing them up. We love to be able to tell a story where Snow White is stealing eggs from uh, Little Red Riding Hood in her chicken coop, or how the Evil Queen was friends with the Mad Hatter. And I think it's the mashup qualities that we love really telling that they all exist in this world and they all have unique uh, histories with each other. And I think that it's like that's the challenge we put forth before ourselves with every story we write, which is how do we make this episode about Snow White the one we like the most? And then how do we make this one about Red the one we like the most? And get the story to a place where every writer in that room is so excited to write that story that it's their favorite one yet. And if we can push ourselves to that, you know, and then we feel like we're succeeding. Look, it's, it's always fun and they all have their different challenges, you know. With, with Snow White, you're dealing with such an iconic character. The challenge is how do you add depth and humanize and, and bring this character literally into our world and make the character make sense. A character like the Mad Hatter, for example, is a character who you know, exists in, in many iconic forms, but as far as we know, there's never been a story about you know, how he became that way and how he went mad. So for us, like when we saw that gaping hole in a backstory, we thought this is a great area for us to try to explore. And, you know, and that's what we try to do with all of them, is find those kind of areas that, that we've never seen and try to come up with something that excites us. It's a bunch of people sitting around in a room, batting around ideas. Sometimes it's super fun. Sometimes it's, it's frustrating, but it's, it, you know, it runs the gamut. But at the end, like, we're really, really lucky. We've got an incredibly talented group of writers on this show. I think that, you know, at the end of the day, when, you, when your job is how did the Mad Hatter become mad, you're pretty lucky. And I think that's how we feel. And this is a great question from Ann Krebs. So when we saw the Mad Hatter story, he was stranded in Wonderland, yet he ended up in Storybrooke. How many worlds were affected by the curse? Well, that is an excellent question. Well, and, you know, it's funny because I remember in his hat there was all those different doorways, and I remember at some point someone saying uh, this curse will affect all the lands. So clearly many lands were affected by this curse. How many and what they are, I guess I would say to you, Ann Krebs, keep watching. But, but I'll say that that was one of the intents of that episode, which was to tell you this guy's in Wonderland, he's in Storybrooke, the curse did go to other lands. 
we like we want you to be asking this question because it is a question we intend to keep exploring and have plans to explore in season two. Thanks a lot, guys, for joining us, and thank you, listeners, for listening. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you, fans. And listeners out there, if you'd like to join us again, please subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to tune in for the Once Upon a Time season two premiere, September 30th on ABC, and available the following day at abc.com. See you next time. <laughs>